good morning. We're, uh, we're in the middle of this topic talking about uh, my lame sex. And I think you and I are in store for a really special Sunday together. Uh, we've got a chance to interview a couple gals who are just at the forefront of what's happening out there uh, within our community uh, in regards to this topic. You may or may not be aware of the fact that uh, right now Phoenix is becoming one of the sex trade capitals uh, of the world. Uh, we have uh, per capita huge numbers of women who are, have been either coerced or forced into prostitution. And the thing that is now at the forefront, the thing that is happening is underaged girls. Uh, there is a huge uh, demand out there, and now uh, men are willing to take advantage of the potential profits and are going for younger, younger, younger uh, girls to recruit uh, into this. And you and I are ground zero for what's happening with this. So we've got a couple gals going to come. We're going to interview, talk to them for a few minutes. But in the midst of this, and here's why I think this is so huge for us, you and I are going to hear a story of hope and of forgiveness and I believe it's going to translate into our lives and some of the things that we've been involved in. And you and I have the potential to leave this place deeply and profoundly changed because of this story that we're about to hear. So I'm, I'm just going to ask you to welcome uh, to the stage um, uh, Jennifer and Aubrey. Hey, thank you guys. Thank you for being here. And being willing to uh, share your story. Um, Aubrey, you're, you're actually part of a ministry that's designed to go after and rescue, especially underage girls mm -hmm. who've been either coerced or forced to be part of uh, prostitution. Your ministry is called Streetlight. Mm -hmm. tell, us, tell us just a little bit about what you guys are doing. Uh, Streetlight formed in January of 2009 um, after seeing an issue in a child sex slavery being a major thing here in the Phoenix area. Um, so with our goal, we plan on opening a safe house that will house 24 to 48 girls and rescue them off the street. Wow. Okay, so I, here's the deal. I think, I think we have the perception that, hey, this is a problem in New York. This is a problem probably in LA, mm -hmm. but this is Phoenix. Mm -hmm. and, and this isn't a problem here. And that's not true, is it? No, it's a major problem in Phoenix, one of the um, biggest cities uh, for child sex slavery. Being that it's warm weather, um, a lot of sporting events, you've got the Phoenix Open, the girls can work long hours on the street because of the weather. So that's one of the major... It's a tourist spot. It is, and exactly. That's part of it. And, and so what's happening, we're, we're, we're catching, we're, we're gaining ground on those other cities. Yeah. And it's happening in our backyard. That's correct. What I think I was kind of shocked at, uh, the average age of a girl who gets involved in prostitution. Is 13 years of age, and that's in the United States. And so we found, wait a second, these are not criminals, these are victims. Mm -hmm. So here's, our 13-year-old daughters mm -hmm. are being recruited, Correct. coerced, and then sometimes actually taken mm -hmm. because it's so profitable to be able to offer an underage girl to these guys. Correct. That they literally sometimes are being kidnapped into this. The, the pimp is willing to risk that jail time because the money is so good. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no. No, it's just it's the younger, the more money they will make. And these girls are, can be taken from malls. Um, 
they're lured off Craigslist, they pose as photographers, and they know these young girls' uh, vulnerabilities. Yeah. So that, to me, is kind of scary, because when we were talking, you were saying to me, Lynn, look, the, the, it's our daughters who are going online, mm -hmm. and these predators, these guys are meeting them online. They, they don't realize what's going on. You talked to me about a little girl whose friend, mm -hmm. who had already been coerced, calls her and says, hey, come outside. I want to give you some, I think it was some homework or something. Yeah. She runs outside, mm -hmm. gets dragged into a van. The police think that she's a runaway. She's actually been kidnapped yes, correct. into this. And then the other part was malls. You're saying that malls are where these mm -hmm. guys hang out. So tell us about that. What are they doing at the malls? Even at the malls, I mean, they can pose. I'm sure you've, I mean, I've seen them. They have a little card and say, hey, you want to be a star, you know, you want to do modeling. So they're on chat lines. And especially it's really important with Facebook and MySpace to put your security set, uh, you know, settings on there because they can, you can find so much information out about a child, where they're at in their life, what they're going through. And so they can kind of take that edge. Yeah. So I, I just want this to sink in for a moment, guys. If, if, if the average age of a young lady getting involved in, in, into prostitution is 13, that means there's older girls, and if you're going to get that average, then that means there are younger girls than 13 being recruited. Matter of fact, you were telling me, mm -hmm. what age? Even as low as nine years old. And guys, these, these are our daughters who are at risk, and I'm just going to say out loud to you, if, if your daughter has a MySpace, if your daughter is on chat lines, be nosy, mm -hmm. be nosy. There is, there is no way that you want her to have that exposure and you not know what she's exposed to because these guys are on the other end, mm -hmm. right? Recruiting exactly. and getting them on the deal. Okay, so um, you guys have also been involved, not just in trying to go on the streets, help rescue that, and we're gonna talk about that in a minute, but you guys have also been involved in trying to change the legislation because up until now in Phoenix, you get caught with a 14-year-old girl, it's a misdemeanor. Correct. And you guys have been working and mm -hmm. trying to get that law changed. I think you did, right? Yes, we just um, had House Bill 2238 pass, which was a great accomplishment because normally these Johns could get away with, you know, $75 fine, misdemeanor, go to John's school, and they were free and clear. Now, a uh, registered sex offender, and it's a felony. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I think the part about, that I liked about it is, is that really, you guys, the law is buyer beware. So in other words, mm -hmm. they can't say, oh, I didn't know. Exactly. Now it's, hey, you sleep with a minor, you're, gonna you're in trouble. So you, you know, yeah, yeah. Right. so which I, I love that about yeah. thing. Okay, so here's, here's the part that I think is intriguing because I don't think, I don't think there, we would have thought before that what's happening with your ministry was possible, and that is that you're actually partnering mm -hmm. with law enforcement, and what you're saying to the, to the law enforcement is, look, when you're out there on the street and you arrest a 13-year-old, when you arrest a 14-year-old, mm -hmm. probably the worst thing you could do is put her in jail. I mean, that's not going to fix anything for anyone. And what you've been able to say is instead of that, would you bring them to streetlight? Would you let us minister to them, help them, care for them? Mm -hmm. And the part that blows me away is that law enforcement has said, yeah, we will do that with you. So tell us about that a little bit. Definitely. I think before, most of them were being arrested, and then they realized, okay, these are um, victims. And so um, 
they no longer, they, they go right now to juvenile detention center. There's nowhere for them to go. So with the streetlight opening, these girls will have a safe environment and a safe place to go where they can find healing through faith-based counseling. Um, educational needs will be met, everything from physic, physical to spiritual. Okay. So it's been great with the community, how they have collaborated and come together, the attorneys. The Phoenix Vice Squad has been absolutely wonderful. Okay, so I want to install... You're, you're rescuing these girls from their pimps, so you're helping to break that mm -hmm. uh, connection. You're helping them learn things. So in other words, if they've got to finish the GED or get some education, you're helping them do that. A lot of these girls now have children. Correct. So you've got care facilities for their children if their uh -huh. children uh, are there. And you're helping them get on their feet. And in the midst of that, in the midst of all that, you're weaving the story of Jesus because we all know that the healing is going to happen when they figure out a relationship with Christ. Okay. And you guys are getting the chance to do that. Yeah. No, it's amazing. And it will house 24 to 48 girls. It's a lifestyle campus. Um, and they'll have a mentor, mother. They'll go through Many in the Soul program. So there's a lot of, um, there'll be a lot of opportunities for healing and you guys have got a facility that you're trying to open. It's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's really unique. Uh, it's, it's what I would look like houses, but there's an there's a area in there for like dorm parents to stay. Mm -hmm. And then there's rooms for the girls to be in. Mm -hmm. There's care facilities for their mm -hmm. children. There's cafeterias there's, uh, and kitchens. I mean, it's just, it's a remarkable, remarkable mm -hmm. place. You guys are trying to open that starting when? November of this year. Um, we still have 1.7 million to raise from the final purchasing process, but believe in, in a miracle. God's wow. gonna do something. I just, I, I just cannot tell you how thrilled I am that you guys are running headlong into the darkness, that you guys are going to rescue these girls, and just how deeply proud I am that you guys are doing this on our behalf. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for doing that. Okay, so Jennifer, you're the other side of the story. You're one of the little gals who was in the darkness. Yes. You're one of the little gals streetlight came after. Okay? So help, help us out. You, you were involved in prostitution. You spent some time in Chicago, and then you were actually here in Phoenix. You were walking the streets here in Phoenix. Yes. How did you get involved? How did you get sucked in? Well, I was a young single mother, and I just lost my job, ran out of money, and didn't have any other options, so it seemed. I was walking down the street with my friend one night, and this car pulled up with some guys in it, and, you know, they had lots of jewelry, you know, nice clothing, and it was looked very luxurious. And um, they said, hey, well, come hang out with us for the night. So we said, okay, we were still young, you know, didn't know any better. Well, when we got to the guy's apartment, I started to notice makeup and women's clothing and high heels all over the place. So I started asking questions, you know, who do you stay here with? And um, well, this guy ended up being a pimp. Hmm. And he told me what he did, told me how easy the money was, told me he could set me up on a five-year retirement plan and that he would take care of me and my baby and that we'd have everything we needed and wanted. Hmm. Okay, so you're just walking down the street with your girlfriend. You're a little bit older than some of the girls we're talking about. You were 18 at the time. Yeah. And uh, these guys come pulling up in a car, and they say, hey, let's go hang out. You go, okay, we'll go hang out. We'll go party. And you get there, and they begin to tell you, hey, this is what we do. We're pimps. We're putting girls out there on the street. But look what we're doing. I mean, look at all the money. Look at all the bling. Look at all the stuff. And then there's a five-year retirement plan. So you do this for five years, you're set for life on the deal. 
That was what was supposed to happen. Yeah. So, so did the five-year retirement plan? Not ever, so no. much. Okay. Just want to be sure. We. Okay. Um, so, I think we live in a culture right now where this whole thing of prostitution gets glamorized. I mean, whether it's Julia Roberts or there's reality TV stuff out there right now. And, and this thing just gets presented as, hey, you get to have a whole lot of sex and you get to make a whole lot of money, so everybody wins. But you're here to say that's, that's yeah. not what this lifestyle's like. No, it's not. I mean, it was either a choice. You either go do this act or you get beat. Or you go do this act or you don't eat for a week. It was, it was strictly work. It was a job. And even though it was a whole lot of money, I had to turn over every penny of it. Hmm. I didn't to keep any of it. Yeah. So you keep giving, the pimp gets all the money. Yeah. You get all the work. Yeah. Yeah. Much. And I, guys, I just, I just think that that is so important, especially for our little girls to hear, is that this is deep and it's dark. And when you want out, you get beat. As a matter of fact, you told me that as you started to say, hey, maybe, maybe this isn't for me, maybe I want out of this, that you ended up getting beat. So tell us a little yeah. bit about that. Well, um, I was beaten with card table chairs and broomsticks. Um, I have a scar on each eyebrow, actually, from getting hit by them. Um, it, was, it was horrible. I'd seen, you know, I didn't get it as bad as some of the other girls did, but I mean, they were burned on the legs with um, clothing irons. Um, one girl was put in a freezing cold shower and then beat with a metal coat hanger. Hmm. It was pretty bad. Wow. Okay. I think, I think someone is going to say at that point, okay, so if it's that bad, if it's, if it's, if it's really that dark, wh why did you stay? Why, why didn't you just get out? I was told over and over that I would never be able to get a real job or be a wife or you know, get an apartment. I was never told I would be anything better so than you, a So you're basically doctor. told you're ruined. Yes. You're done and you're ruined. Yeah. And then, and then if you did try to get out, that's when the beatings start. Yes. Right? Okay. So what, what becomes the turning point? Because there comes a point in your life where despite the beatings, despite the manipulation, despite all of that type of stuff, you decide, I'm getting out. How does that happen? Um, well, at first, a vice detective from Phoenix followed me around. She would pop up different places and say, hey, you know, you can do something better. You don't have to live like this anymore. And um, when I finally did decide that I wanted to leave, um, he put me out to work one night, and I called him, and I said, I'm not coming back. Um, I'm done, and you need to give me my children. And um, he told me that... No, he wasn't going to. Either I worked for him or he would keep them. Hmm. So here you are. You're trying to get out, and basically the pimp is holding your kids hostage. Yes. Trying to keep you from getting out of the deal. So you ended up, I think, if you, told me, you ended up arrested. Yes. On the deal. And then there was this vice police officer who kept encouraging you. Tell us about that just a little bit. She, um, she just... She just kept telling me that, you know, there was a better life, and she introduced me to people from Streetlight and, you know, from a church, and you know, just got me linked together with something better. 
Okay, so I want everybody to get this moment. Here is a vice police officer who really her job is to arrest you. That's her job. And in the midst of this, she is saying to you, look, you can get out of this. Your life doesn't have to be that way, which I, I just, I cannot even tell you how remarkable I think it is that a vice police officer is trying to rescue you, yeah. who's offering you another thing. And in the process of that, she's saying, there's this organization called Streetlight that will help you, that will rescue you. I just think that is such an unbelievable story. And what amazing grace that a police officer is trying to offer you a second chance. And I just think, what honor in, in that, that moment. Hey, before we, we get into that part, who goes to prostitutes? Everybody. Your father, your uncle, your brother, doctors, lawyers, police officers, businessmen, everybody. See, I, I think we need to hear that. Because I, I think our perception is that these are all just guys who can't get a date. And that's not the answer, is it? it it's our brothers. It's our fathers. It's our sons. Husbands, it's our husbands and our boyfriends, yeah. This vice officer comes to you says to you, hey, there is hope. There's this place called Streetlight. She gets you hooked up with Streetlight. But here's the thing I think that's incredible in this story. The police officer who was talking to you, the one that was referring to Streetlight, she's not even a Christian yet, right? And, but in this process, in all of this happening, she ends up coming to know Christ. To, Aubrey, this is where you come back in on the story. Tell us a little bit about that. It's just been so amazing to see all the miracles that God has done um, during this process and to see some of the community leaders and even this vice member come to the Lord just through, through Streetlight. And so it goes to show you that it's not just about the girls, it's affecting people all around. Hmm. So I think it's so cool that here she is, she's trying to help rescue yeah. you mm -hmm. and realizes she needs a rescue in her own life. And yeah. the very redemption she's offering, she needs, exactly. and she ends up becoming a Christian too. So you, you end up getting involved in Streetlight and then there's a person who's involved with the Streetlight Ministry yes. invites you to her home for Christmas. Yes. Tell us about that. Well, we were sitting there talking, and um, she, you know, she was preaching to me and telling me about how, telling me about God and how I can be saved and forgiven. And you know, she just looked at me and said, "Are you ready? Are you ready mm. to let everything go and accept Jesus Christ into your into your heart and into your life?" And I said, "Yeah." So mm. she sat there with me, and we prayed, and I asked for forgiveness. And mm. although I know I'm forgiven by God, it's it's still a little bit still having some trouble forgiving myself. Mm. But wow, that time will come. See, I I just think that's so incredible because in, for us, that's when your story comes full circle. Is you're sitting in a living room with a gal who's saying, hey, all of this stuff, all this past, there's a Savior who forgives. And, and all you've got to do is ask, and you, you did. And as we've talked, you've said, I, I, I get it that God forgives me. I'm still trying to work out forgiving myself for what happened. Yeah. But how cool is this story and how incredible what God's done with you. Hey, I just want to speak honor to you guys 
Thank you so much for having the courage to come to share your story. Aubrey, if, if we've got people in the room who say, man, this is touching my heart. I, I want to be part of running into the darkness and helping with this. Yeah. What can they do to get There's a hold a of Streetlight? There's a number of ways um, that you can get involved. We're always looking for volunteers. Um, you can go to our website at www.streetlightphx.com. We have a new website coming out next week. And you've got all the uh, volunteer options on there. You can get signed up for everything. And you've got a booth on the patio today, right? Correct. Okay. We've got a booth out back. Very cool. Thank you, guys. Honor, you so honor, much. honor to you. you. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So, so here's the deal. In, in, I just, I hope as you and I have kind of unpacked and heard the story that, that you and I don't let some amazing lessons in the story slip by us. Here's why. Because I guarantee you there are some of us in this room who would say this, Lynn, if, if you knew my sexual sin, if you knew the stuff that I've gotten myself involved in, if you understood how deep and how dark this is. And here's what you need to hear today. The same God who forgives Jennifer can forgive you. Can forgive you. There is nothing so deep, there is nothing so dark, there is nothing so far that the blood of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of God, can't cover your sexual sin, too. There's this amazing passage in Scripture where Paul, and if you know anything about Paul, you know the guy was a murderer. And when he writes, he simply says this, if God can forgive me, then God can surely forgive you. And, and you get that that's part of Jennifer's story today for all of us. The God who forgives Jennifer can forgive you and me no matter where this journey has taken me, no matter how far I've gone, no matter how deep I've gone, no matter how dark your story, the God who forgives her can forgive you. And I just need to say to you that if you've never met a Savior, if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, that's where forgiveness starts. What happened to her in Flagstaff in that living room needs to happen with you. But there is a God who forgives. You and I needed to hear this today because there are some of us in this room and we've been the victim. Uh, we've had stuff done to us. And you and I walked in this room today with scars Scars we never asked for, scars that someone else imposed, but scars nonetheless. And, and we walked in here today just absolutely still angry and bitter and resentful to the person who perpetrated on us. And, and, and I, I don't know, it could have been a boyfriend who pressured and pushed you. It could be someone who molested. But there are scars. And here's what we do. We decide, look, I'm going to hold them hostage. I'm, I'm going I'm to be angry, and I'm going to be 
unforgiving, and I'm going to bind them up in chains of bitterness until they get how deeply they wounded me. And some of us today walked into this room with chains of unforgiveness. And a matter of fact, Jesus, I think, addresses this issue for our lives. And if you have your Bibles this morning, it's in the book of Mark. If you're not real familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible, work to the left, you're going to find this book of Mark. Here's what it says. And when you stand praying... When you're in the church service, while the pastor is speaking or you're singing the songs, while you're at church, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him. Forgive him. You say, well, then wait, wait, wait. They've never asked. They, they don't even think what they did was wrong. They don't, they don't get it. Didn't ask that. I said, forgive them. So that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. My dad, when I was a kid, ended up having an affair and took off on our family. Ready? Sexual sin. And I can't tell you how many years I spent as a young man growing up waiting for that man to walk in the door and just admit it. Just, just admit it. Just say, look, it was a bad moment in my life. I didn't live it well. I regret it. That's all I need. Just, just admit it. And year after year after year went by and no acknowledgement from my dad. And I will tell you, I sat wrapped up in chains of unforgiveness. What are you going to do if the person who hurt you never comes back? Never asks you to forgive? Are you prepared to spend the rest of your life bound up in that anger and unforgiveness. It's why Scripture says, look, if you, next time you're sitting in church and you realize I've got this thing that I'm hanging, I'm, I'm, my heart is the one that's bound. See, here's what happens. You and I end up imposing these chains of anger and bitterness because we think that somehow by doing that, we bind them. Somehow we lock them up with our chains. And the crazy part is they're doing fine. You go to the family reunion and they act like they didn't do anything. You, you, you go to the social gathering and they're the life of the party. You hear their name and they're moving up the corporate ladder and you are just killed inside. And so you think to yourself, maybe if I get angry or maybe if I get bitter, they'll notice. And the only one in chains is me. That's why Jesus said, forgive. Forgive. And forgiving doesn't mean you're saying it's okay. And forgiveness is not saying it wasn't a big deal because it was a big deal. 
Forgiveness just simply says this. I am going to stop rooting for your failure. I'm going to stop praying that God hit you with lightning. If you walk across the street, I won't speed up. <laughs> Forgiveness simply says I'm going to let you off the hook. You may still have business to do with God. You may still have issues that you've got to fix. I'm just going to stop rooting against you. I forgive you. Some of us today need to leave this place without our chains. Some of us in this room are the ones who cause the harm. Some of us are the ones that cause the wound. We were the boyfriend who pressured her to go further than she was comfortable with. We're the one who took advantage. We're the one that has the stash of Playboys or stuff on our computer, and our wife doesn't even know that we've harmed nonetheless. And Scripture talks about that. Matter of fact, if you grab your Bibles one more time, here's what it says. If, if you and I are the one that has caused the harm, it's in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, so it's just a few pages over. Matthew, chapter 5. Verse 23, here's what it says. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, isn't it amazing how all this happens in church service? So it says, hey, you're, you're sitting in church, you're hearing the sermon, you have a moment. And there you remember that your brother has something against you or your sister. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. Before the service is even over, get up. Go make it right. First go and be reconciled to your brother or your sister, and then come and offer your gift. Just before we started Cornerstone, I got invited to speak at a local church here. and I'm in the middle of giving my message, and I looked out in the audience and there was one of my old girlfriends. Service got over, and it was pretty apparent. I mean, just from body language and avoidance that there was, there was something. And I got to thinking, and I thought, well, I mean, what would she be upset about? And I mean, I mean yeah, in the relationship, we kind of went too far, and we did some things together that we shouldn't have done. But, I mean, all in all, I mean, we didn't go as far as a lot of couples go, and we didn't do near the things that some of our friends did. And I felt the prodding of God in my heart, and I took what maybe was one of the longest walks of my life. I walked across the lobby of that church. And I walked up to my former girlfriend, and I said, you know, I, I think maybe I owe you an apology. When we were dating, I, I let things, and I pushed for things, and I just need to tell you I'm sorry and ask you if you forgive me. And I'm going to tell you that in that instant, you just watched her whole body language change. And with tears in her eyes, she looked at me and she said, I've been waiting. I've been waiting to hear you say that. 
See, the truth is, some of us in this room are the ones who cause the harm. And we thought, well, you know, I mean, people get it. I'm in church now, and my life is different, and they, they know. No, chances are they're waiting. They're waiting for you and I to come and say, I'm sorry. And, and I took this thing deeper, and I took this thing further, and I took it darker. And I just need to ask for your forgiveness today. See, here's the, here's the deal. Today could be clean hand Sunday. Today could be the day that Cornerstone just simply says, look, look, on this topic, we're just going to get our hands clean, which means, which means, if, I'm, if I've been there, if I'm the one that in my sexual life, I've gone further, deeper, darker than I ever thought, then, then I'm just going to get that right with God today. I'm going to make sure that he knows that I know, and I'm just going to make sure it's clean. For some of us today, you came in here just wrapped in chains, just bound up with unforgiveness because of what had been sexually done to us and with us. Today could be a day that we lose the chains, that we forgive. And for some of us who caused the harm, today could be a day of getting on the phone walking across a church lobby, writing a letter that just says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the harm. Today could be clean hands Sunday if we'd let it. Let's bow our heads. Hey, I'm just going to ask you where you're at. <laughs> hands clean? Or, or do you and God need to do a little business this morning? Do you just need to say, hey, God, look, this is where I've gone. This is what I took, this amazing gift between a man and a woman, and this is what I've done with it. And I just want to be sure we're okay. I just want to be sure this is all taken care of. And so I just, I just want to get that right this morning. Be some in this room and say, God, I, the wounds... The bitterness, the anger of my life, it has just bound me. And I walked into this room today with chains of anger for what was done. And I just, I just choose this morning to forgive. Not to say it's okay, not to say it wasn't bad, just to say I'm done. And I forgive, even if they never ask. I forgive. There's some of us this morning, harm came at our hands. We were the one that talked into, pushed it too far, and took advantage. We're the one with the secrets on our computer, in the stash in our closet. And we just need to come clean today. Say, look, it's wrong. Wife, you don't even know I've got this going on, and I just need to pull it into the light and say, I'm sorry for what I've done to our marriage vows. Go back to people we used to be in relationship with and say, I, I, I need to apologize for letting it get to there. 
Will you forgive me? And we know that we know that we've got undone work because our hearts are beating through our chests right now. And we see faces in our mind of people that we need to go settle with. But this could be clean hand Sunday for us. Dear Lord Jesus, we just come before you this morning. And God, I thank you that there's forgiveness. I thank you that the God who forgave Jennifer forgives us. And that God, we can, we can leave this place clean. But God, it's going to take some courage. It's going to take going before a God that we didn't think loved us anymore and saying, I need you to love me. And I need you to forgive me. And for some of us, I need a Savior who washes away. And God, there are those of us in this room who walked in here absolutely bound with bitterness and anger over what had happened sexually in our lives. We have spent a lifetime hating the perpetrator. And God, today we need to find forgiveness. We need to be willing to say, look, I, I'm just done hating you. And I'm done resenting you. And I choose to forgive even though you've never asked. And God, for some of us in this room who know we caused some of the harm, it, it was us. God, we need to come clean today. We need to say out loud some of the things that we've done to people that may not even know we've done them. And to others who do, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? God, may this be the day that Cornerstone comes clean. That we come clean. In Jesus' precious name.